one, I want to say thanks to each of you for being here. Um, I am launching a new podcast tomorrow called The Zeitcast. For me, it's unbelievably ambitious because it's supposed to come out five days a week and come hell or high water, I plan to do that. So that's a big project. That's kind of a new way of life. So y'all pray for me. And um, here's how this came about. So I should say, first of all, and I'm not saying it's because it's here, because I think you know by now, I say this behind your back and on social media, those kind of things. Andy Squires is one of my favorite singers, songwriters, all time in the world ever. It's like if, um, how can I say it? It's like if what, like if Bob Dylan and Nick Cave and uh, John the Baptist had a love child or something like that. I don't even know. Like, there's no one who does what Andy does. And really, no one. And no one, um, that sounds intimate, no one who does what Andy does to me um, with the songs. And I'm glad I said with the songs. It's, um, but really, it's just that those, good Lord. I mean, I just think um, his music is so brilliant and it hits me on such a affective level. Um, it, not he didn't ask me for a plug, but Cherry Blossoms is one of my favorite albums of all time. So you should um, you should certainly check that out. And in this small group of us, make sure to buy out all the T-shirts because I love those. But Andy, it's just so cool because even though we're friends, that's what I was saying to him. Just the intimacy of like a house show. So, uh, but I didn't mean to to derail myself. So last week when I was uh, tweeting about starting the Zeitcast, Andy said in a kind of cheeky way. Hey, uh, contact my agent. I'd love to come on your show. And we made <laughs> it was kind of a joke. Well, then, as it turns out, he actually was going to be driving anyway on route from North Carolina because we're both from Charlotte yeah. um, to California. And so then he texts and says, How would you feel if maybe I, you know, I just swung by and played a house show for free? Come on. And I was like, How would I feel? Yeah. Uh, is Bono coming too? And can we sit in a hot tub and. Smoke doobies? Like, what's happening here? Like, is this a dream? Uh, edit that out of the podcast, Reese. This is kind of like, because <laughs> I'm just having a good time now. No, but like, really, um, Andy, it is such an honor to have you here. And it's so great to have my friends here uh, as we celebrate the Zycast. So thank you for being willing to, oh, to come and play. It's a big deal. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. It's, this is a great room. The room felt great tonight. Good. Yeah. Well, it felt. of course it's going to feel good with uh, the way you changed the temperature with those songs um well, but you know it's it's what we were talking about earlier i'm not always welcome places you yeah know? <laughs> yeah yeah this was the conversation we we're having earlier because andy was talking about how it, it, rare it is that he feels really welcome but he felt like he would tonight because i feel yeah. like somehow and i'm not aggrandizing myself with andy in some way but i feel like what he does with music is not unlike what i do with words otherwise which is that to say shall we say it's a narrow lane mm. And um, it's like there, there are a handful of preci people appreciate it. Like, you know, maybe our moms and yep. a couple of friends. Yep. My mom's a huge um, fan. She's a huge fan. But there's the, yeah. like, they're, but they're not a lot, no, you know. No. So you kind of get used to being misunderstood most places. It's true. But then when we come together and kind of have a bit of a street gang, like there's this solidarity. And yeah, like my crew joins your crew and then our crew gets just yes. a little bit bigger and we feel better about ourselves. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Stella is with us as well, if anybody can hear that. Um, so there's a lot I want, Andy, there's a lot I want to talk to you about. And of course, I want you to play some more music yeah. and even this for the podcast, I want, I want them to hear your songs because I really, again, not just saying that, 
I am evangelistic about Andy's music. Uh, I'm always want to introduce people to our Lord Jesus Christ and the music of Andy Squires. <laughs> um, not even always in that order. Um, but uh, you know, something I'll, I'll I'll dive in the deep end with this, and wherever it goes, yeah. it goes. So when you played that song off the new record, because it's interesting, Andy. I feel like you know we're friends, but it's not like we talk all the time. So I don't know exactly what goes in the cocktail of you doing what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I know what I feel, mm -hmm. this deep sort of soul resonance, mm -hmm. I mean, with kind of anything you say. Mm -hmm. But I got moved not only by the song, um, but I'll just send, we'll just kind of see where this goes. When you when you mentioned um, Robert Farrar Capen tonight, yeah. I had a, I had a weird experience a couple years ago and I've only told a handful of people about this. Like, I don't think it's something I ever would have told publicly. One, because, and I mean, I sort of used this word already. One, maybe because, like, Capen's one of my heroes. But, you know, Capen was also a niche. It's not like that's a household name everybody knows. No. But at the same time, it's like, well, I don't know. Um, I think one thing, another thing that Andy and I share in common is that uh, whatever it is that we do, we do it in some sort of mystical way. Yeah. And, you know, whatever people think of that, it's a, it's a thing. We yeah. both kind of have this sort of charismatic thing that we come from that we still believe in, even if we practice it in a weird way and everybody else thinks we're heretics. So yeah. uh, that's probably a good way to summarize this, maybe. Um, so I'll tell you what happened, like, with me and Capen is that I, I did not know anything about Robert for our Capen. It's like for all the stuff that I've read into, like, I just, I'd never, I, maybe I'd heard his name, but I wasn't aware of his, uh, of his work at all. And then like, there was this week and it was in 2013 and it was right before, um, I unintentionally completely blew my life up that, um, in a way that has only happened to me a handful of times in my life, I felt this, um, this kind of imperative to 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 read him. I stumbled across something on the internet, which pushed me into Capon's uh, trilogy on the parables. Yeah, that's that's the one. Isn't that's that an the, amazing? That's book? the one. Yeah. And I started reading it, and um, I don't know how to explain it, but as I was reading Robert Farrar Capon, it's like for one of the first times in my life, I felt like whatever it was that God had put in me to do. It's like I recognize it out there. And it's like, where, where's this been on my life? I felt like yeah. it just made my brain explode. Yes. And then, and I, I don't even remember that day of the week, but it was definitely in September 2013. I happened to be on Twitter and a couple days, because, I mean, when I found him, it was so explosive. Mm. I did nothing but read Capen for days, like yeah. binge. I mean, I almost couldn't eat. Yeah. And then I happened to be on Twitter, and I see uh, on this particular night in September when all these things were kind of unraveling in me, that he had died. And in this really strange way, and I've only had the Holy Spirit speak to me like this a handful of times in my life, I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and not like in a way that this is somehow exclusive or something, but basically I felt like the Holy Spirit said, and I'm saying that this feels just vulnerable to say, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm giving you that message. Like, that's your message. And it was like, even like in the, so of course, you know, I read more, I devoured more anything I could, but everything I found, I was like, oh my God, like this, like this is what, this is what's just kind of in me to say. And it was the very mysterious sense of like somehow, 
whatever this kind of radical grace message was in this person, this is what I'm supposed to tell. This is all I've got to tell. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I, I don't mean to like kind of get preachy about a thing, but I love so much that you said that and we're quirky anyway. Then you bring up one of my quirkiest favorite writers and theologians. What is it about Capon that speaks to you? The thing that caught me the most was he did away with the morality factor of of Christianity, and he would say that that God, man, I, how do I say this? He would he would say that the cross was immoral, mm. that Christianity was an immoral religion. In that, it's it's way more scandalous than we we practice it's way more scandalous than we practice and um i think f for me the 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 reward and shame system that is so prevalent not only in in church systems but in just in our cultural mindset yeah. has kept us out of the beauty of the gospel the beautiful gospel and the reason why so many people the reason why capen is such a niche writer is because what he's saying is absolutely offensive to the to the justice loving mind and and i'm talking about like cosmic justice right you know like not i'm not talking about not working for you know peace on earth type of thing but just <clears throat> capen capen helped me well you know this is a typical story but i was kind of done with it all you know and capen just kept me in mm. capen kept me in that's why <laughs> that's why i i love him so much and you know? what, what what exactly in that kept you in um well the he he did away with the in and out divide you know he was he well he he is particularly influential to me because he uh introduced the idea of all of the cosmos being atoned for yeah. like like you're walking down the street and you're meeting strangers and you're seeing the atoned mm -hmm. you're seeing the redeemed you know, the rich and poor alike. And, and so for, for me, growing up in the church, redemption was you're redeemed once you say the magic words. And Capon was like, no, the world is redeemed and the gospel is the announcement of that. The gospel is the announcement of you are made in the image of God and, and the love of God is such that it's it's... It's not enduring you, it's rejoicing over you as you are right now. So that that's what got me excited about the gospel again. So you're you're so right though that um Capen so pushes the envelope in terms of any sense of justice as well, I, I know he refers to that parable a lot, but the story Jesus tells of the workers who start at the beginning of the day and the others who come 
within you know an hour before the bell rings they all get paid the same thing yeah sounds really awesome unless you started work at the beginning of the day yeah. in which case this does not sound like but he so pushes that idea that grace rightly understood is just so offensive to any sense of moralism at all right uh, Jacques Ellul talks about how Christianity is a, is is not only not moralism, it's against moralism. Absolutely. You know? And that's what I was doing with Capon is like the edge of that. Yes. It doesn't preach well. I nope. mean I mean nobody's signing up for that at nope. church. They are not. You know? No. No. That's why I have twelve followers on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I am one I am one of the proud, I tell you that right now. Do you well, you know, and even on that note, when you talk about Capon causing you to stay in, Andy, and like um and not trying to over glorify what you do, but like this is, you know, it's interesting if we were to think, I'm going to make this too simplistic, but if we were to put every the world on a continu- continuum right now, sometimes I feel like the alternatives are, you know, because, and, and you've got this already, those of you who've heard, we're here for the house show tonight, Andy's music has not only a lot of soul, but there's a lot of pain and... To me, it sounds like the Old Testament, you know, and that's so much what um, kind of that, that Hebrew value of contesting with God, going mano and mano with God. Job is vindicated, God says, because you spoke rightly about me, but really the idea is not that you spoke rightly about me, you spoke right to me. That's what God likes about Job is that he gets in his face. All the ones that God likes are the ones who gets in his face. Yeah. And it just seems like the, the way the world feels to me right now is you're either stuck with sort of these sentimental saccharine pop songs about Jesus where there's nothing reflective and um, it all feels like propaganda or it's throw up the middle finger, burn it all down. Yeah. Christian faith is silly and immature. I've evolved to some higher consciousness and it's, it's just all dumb. And what I, I feel like the sound that you make does it fit on that grid at all? Right. Well, here's the thing is I have tried to quit God, but I cannot. So I am in this and I, I've recently read Marilyn Robinson's book, Gilead and and John Ames is the main character. And he's, he's talking about preaching being just kind of the manifestation of his inner life. Right. So he's having these really intense personal conversations with God almighty. And then his sermons are working. It's the out, you know, the outflow of him working that out. And I feel for, for what I do, um, the, the main theme or the themes that arise in my songwriting are really just because I'm afraid to die. I mean, truth be told, like the, the fear of death probably is the, one of the main drivers in what I do, just working that out, you know, like, like death, um, and, 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 and also well, working out my salvation with fear and trembling, of course, uh, um, what I have decided to do with regards to artistic expression is I've decided to write what I would listen to. So I, I want to say things that I am interested in. I'm not, I heard Jeff Tweedy talk about this one time. He said he, he makes music, 
he he makes the music that he wants to go to the record store and can't find. I thought, wow, that's that's brilliant because I sometimes I feel like um, you know I'm just little old me, and I don't mean to be overly self-deprecating. I I I I understand that what I am doing currently is pretty. It's 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 intense. Yeah. There's a place for it, and and I'm fighting for it. I believe in it. I actually believe in what I'm doing and what I'm saying, and um, I feel like. Uh, what I'm bringing to the table with these songs is it's it's like permission for people to love God and to fully embrace their humanity at the same time you know that's what these these songs do for me it's like it's like I I'm not a part of any morality club I'm not a part of any um like like you say that that division between like uh, now we're enlightened we're, we've given up on God or the you know I I can't live in either of those places. Yeah. It's really interesting what's arising culturally within our subculture. It's like all of a sudden we're realizing that there's a lot of people like us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that really do crave the joy of knowing Jesus. Yeah. And, and really do crave to leave behind all of the foolishness that they have lived through, you know, through the bulk of their, their life, you know, so. Yeah, it's like, because there's something, um, and I think that's something that makes what you do somehow feel so familiar to my own soul, too. It's like, there's something that I've experienced there, and I think you've experienced there in terms of Jesus, that feels as real, maybe more real than ever before. So yeah. it's like, that's a thing that you cling to, but you know, I know kind of in my own shipwreck season in my life, yeah. um, and which seemed to go on forever. It felt like there was such a desire in my soul for music that mm-hmm. sort of consciously would connect me to the presence of God. Yeah. But I couldn't find it in a way that mm. connect that that somehow where that was truthful to my pain. I know, like mm. during that time, your music and Cherry Blossom in particular, like that that was the that was all I had. Like that yeah. was the album where I felt like that could take me into God's presence wow. in a way, but where in a way that I could be completely truthful mm-hmm. and have all of me kind of moving in the same direction. Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing, and I I get that a lot. You know. Um, <clears throat> Gosh, this whole podcast is about me. This is, sounds so terrible and self-aggrandizing, but <laughs> I don't. I feel a little awkward talking about this record. But I hear this a lot about yeah. this record. People are like, they come in contact with it and they say, "I didn't know you could say this," or "I didn't know you could be a Christian and and say this out loud," you know. And uh, and I I'm here to testify that you can and you will not be struck by lightning and you will. You will, you might find, I mean, shoot, I'm, I, I don't suffer. I'm not a martyr. I don't, I, I, I experience a little bit of inconvenience from people to get mad at some of my music, but it's most people that hear it, they're, they're like, you know, they're either ambivalent or it really hits them. You know, it, there's, there really is a hunger out there for what you're talking about. You know, what you're doing with your life and your preaching and your writing and all of it. It's like there's this contending happening, right? There's this contending. We're we're really contending for the soul of of the gospel, the soul of our country, the soul of uh, man, humanity in general, man. I mean like 
honestly, I'm just not a joiner. I, I, I'm not a joiner. I don't want to join a movement. I don't want to join your club. I don't want to. I don't want to join a, a mega church. Lord bless mega churches. I, you know, I just, I feel like, I feel called particularly to carve out spaces for people just to, just be themselves. You know, is this your Enneagram eightness coming out? Oh man, <laughs> I'm not trying to like uh, set you up to like spike anything over the net or yeah. make yeah, you say yeah. anything you want to say. But I tell you something: when you said that about how often you've heard that about Cherry Blossom, and I want to talk about yeah. other things too. But yeah. this whole thing of giving people permission to say things and they realize, okay, I'm not going to get struck by lightning. Right? You said something to me years ago and I thought about this because there are a handful of things that I've heard from friends that lodge so deep that it's come out in sermons talks stuff over the like you would probably be surprised if you knew how often this has come up and I just actually was talking about this to somebody close to me the other day um but I never will forget when you just talked about that whole season of your life and the tragedy you were walking through and the loss you were talking you were that you were dealing with but specifically having this moment with the lord where like you had the, you you kind of articulated this struggle of your concern as you were kind of trying to be true to the 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 feelings i'm trying to avoid the word journey along with deconstruction that's completely fair um the, but but everything that you were contending with then um and specifically, there was this concern of, but what if I land in heresy? Is it okay if I just tee you up right on, there? Because I've told this so many times because wow. I think it's so profound. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So you start having, you start having fresh thoughts. I, I, I preach this from our pulpit at church. I, one of the things that I always tell our folks is you're bored with reading the Bible because you believe you already understand what it's saying. The reason why you don't go to the text is that your assumptions, your biases are already informing you before you even go. So I'm always trying to encourage people to, you know, first of all, read something else other than the Bible that might help your reading of the Bible. You know, there are, there are, Beautiful souls who have been doing a lot of good work when it comes to how to handle the text, right? That's a lifelong journey, right? Um, but for me, when I began to initially discover a greater beauty in knowing the Lord, you get af I was getting afraid. You get afraid. You start thinking these new thoughts and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, am I, am I in danger of damnation if I have these new thoughts or consider some different ideas you know and I <clears throat> I remember the Lord clearly saying to, this to me um, he said Andy and I'm going to say it way less profoundly than he said it to me but but it was this idea that you don't have to be afraid of going over into a thought that some people are calling heresy because there's no heresy that you can go to where my love does not exist. 
where my pleasure over you or my grace for you or my passion for you, dare I say, um, you, you just can't outrun. You can't, out, you can't go past his far-reaching love and understanding. And so it was just like, thank you, Jesus. It, it felt like a big grace meal for me at that moment. It gave me permission to, to really, um, you know, run after some hard philosophical questions. I mean, theology is philosophy. I mean, people who are doing theology, reading, trying to discern what the Spirit is saying, I mean, that's a, that's a philosophical journey, you know? And, um, you know, Jonathan, you've always blessed me because you were one of the first Pentecostals that I came across that read books. Like, I mean, my, my, my tradition was always... Um, you know, suspicious of that. And so I always felt like a little bit of an outsider. And, and so when I began to realize that there were, there were other folks in my camp that were um, reaching further, it was a r real encouragement to me. And so anyways, I don't know if I answered your question, but... You did. No, yeah. you went there. So, the, but that idea, I think the way I heard you say it before is like even a, a, this, this idea of God saying, even like, even if I go into heresy, yeah. God's saying, I'll go there too. Like this, yeah. you don't, not having to be motivated by fear in that way, I think is yes. tremendous. Yes. Because I just think, you know, okay, even if I turn out to be wrong about something, I don't want to not explore something that I need to explore out of fear. Yes. Because truly, if perfect love casts out fear, yeah. you know, I just don't think that should, I, I, I just, that breaks so much open when there's a sense that you don't have to be afraid of where the, the questions might take you. That's right. Yeah. And, and it, it, gets, it gets rid of the idea that being right is the goal. Yes. Yes. I, what a relief. I mean, I can be wrong. Right. And it's okay. Yeah. Like, I, I have my my existing bias i have my existing presumptions and assumptions um i think the most freedom that a person can have in their life is when they they become aware and cognizant of their own bias yeah. and and so i i try to encourage folks to hey you know when you go to the text Bring your bias before the Lord first, you know? I mean, we all have that. Acknowledging that is, it's, what is really shocking is how many really well-meaning people do not understand that they bring a bias to the text. Mm -hmm. That's the most yeah. fascinating thing yeah. to witness, yeah. you know? So, I feel like these songs are just a punch in that face, like yeah. a punch in that teeth, you know, like I, I, I'm, I don't mean, I'm not trying to be an incendiary person or try to stir up hornet's nests, but I do feel called to saying, saying things the way um, good art is depending upon somebody taking a risk to say them, you yeah. know, and, and because it's only when somebody does that, that the door is open for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it doesn't feel like you're trying to be incendiary because it doesn't feel like trying to poke anybody in the eye. It feels way too personal no. for that. You know, no, <laughs> I, yes, it is. That's, that is a, the other thing is that I'm not trying to stand on a soap 
box and point downwards towards anybody. I'm really just, you know, trying to sing out of my own hurt and brokenness and tragedy and victory and, and, you know, all of it, all of it. Yes. All of it. So, and speaking of the songs, I obviously want to talk more. By the way, I keep thinking like this, if since the Zeitcast, a lot of it would be conversation. This feels like to me, like the wonderful stuff when I would watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, where like it goes down the street and visits the neighborhood museum. Like, <laughs> hi, Andy. Like, and it's kind of like, hey, Andy, would you like to play some songs for the kids? Like, because I do want Zeitcast folks to actually hear some of the songs. Yes. So, yes. Let's do that. All right. This is a this is a brand new song. When I get where I'm going, are we rolling? Okay. <laughs> when I get where I'm going, I will lend a steady hand, build a little cabin, dig a river through the land. Does a pilgrim tremble? When he finally finds a home When the rock bestows the water That binds the broken bone I go out walking in the forest To a place I've seen A fountain flowing like a highway Running through my dreams I get where I'm going There's a woman in the dust We have wrinkles on our bodies Proving love's been good to us She is standing proudly Squinting in the summer sun Satisfied surveying All her hands have done I go out walking in the water where the silver swims Cicadas singing like somebody washed away their sins I see a kingfisher ascending to his rightful throne The meek inheriting a city they can call their own When I get where I'm going Guns are hammered into plows Promises we made to war Turn into broken vows Faithful is the spirit our troubles to employ the bread of our affliction returning to us joy like horses foaming with the sweat of captives breaking free like mother's milk into the belly of a broken reed I go out walking on the mountain where the thunder rolls 
smell the rain of heaven coming to the earth below i see a kingfisher ascending to his rightful throne the meek inheriting a city they can call their own Beautiful. Andy Squires, everybody. Wow. That's for the new record? That's for the new record, yeah. So, Cherry Blossoms, I mean, I don't couldn't imagine a heavier record than that. You've mentioned spending <laughs> this, this year, spending a lot of time recording. Yeah. What What's the vibe of the new record? Like, can, thematically, what are you, what's kind of carrying you along uh, into this new project? So, interestingly, uh, death is still a big part of my my. I, I try to get away from my fear of death, but I can't. Um, so that's a big part of the record. But also this idea of um, not feeling like I belong anywhere. My wife and I have this really interesting thing where we feel we feel pulled to different regional areas, um, and so we're 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 always man a little bit tormented because we feel an ache to be over there and um we we can't figure out a way to satisfy it we just we just can't i, I don't know there's probably something wrong with us but <laughs> but um but we feel that a lot so so kind of that ache for a home is another is another big theme of the record um but also also praise it's, it's got a real praise element to it. Um, just, just that, that crying out of love to God in the middle of all of that kind of achy stuff. You know, I, I, it's, it's really interesting. I have this, I have this crazy idea of totally redoing worship music as we know it today, you know? So, short history lesson you know you've got the 20th century and the 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 latter part of the 20th century we we have the the jesus movement where all of these hippies are getting saved in california and other places and they're bringing in their rock music into the church and it's so revolutionary and it's amazing and there's there's guys playing guitars on the stage right and there's this wonderful trajectory with music in the church, but eventually somewhere along the line, this, this format, this industry, this, this thing gets placed upon the church and it becomes the only thing that is happening in the church. And, and our imagination has has shrunk like we cannot imagine that worship could be anything else than what we're seeing in the majority of church situations right now so i just kind of have this i'm i don't it's not that i can reinvent the wheel but i just i would like to see more songs integrated into our corporate gatherings 
that looked more like our actual lives than songs that were written by professional Christians. Mm. And because the bulk of what's happening in, in church music is written by a very small minority of people that are making millions of dollars on, on writing these, this particular thing. And I would love to see that just broken wide open and songs of ache come back into the church, you know? And so most people wouldn't call my records worship albums, but I definitely do. Yeah. I definitely do. Because I, I, I like to sing songs that are as, as comfortable in the dust as they are in the glory realm, you know? To me, those two places aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. You know, they're probably more one and the same than we even realize, you know. So I think this record's going to feel a lot like that still, you know. I do have some metaphors that I, I was just talking to my producer recently, and we were, we were just talking about how artists unknowingly are, are tapping into this, these metaphors and I, I, I've got a couple of metaphors that I'm probably going to have to leave behind on the next record, but there was stuff from Cherry Blossoms that I wasn't quite done saying yet. So I had to push into those a little further. It'll sound different, but the, the theme is still there. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think, what's, what difference does it make when worship fully incorporates the ache and when you're not when you don't, when you enter fully into to death, instead of trying to skip to resurrection, how would you? What's different about that sound? Oh, oh man, we could have church over that question. <laughs> <clears throat> so my church that I was a part of for many years was in the middle of what I would call a revival. We were having actual manifestations of the Holy Spirit in a way I had never seen before. Smack dab in the middle of that, we had a, we had a just, as you know the story a little bit, but just out of nowhere, we had a tragedy. And so, so you've got this church that's running and gunning for God, singing songs for God, victory, yah, 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 quoting the scriptures, quoting the scriptures correctly protects us from any bad thing that happens. And then all of a sudden, none of that's true, right? So to answer your question, a church that becomes aware of death is a much different church than a church that is constantly avoiding the idea of death. And so to me... A lot of this is so subtle in the church world, too. It's not like the church world stands up and goes, hey, one of our most, uh, uh, our core value is that we don't mention anything about disaster or tragedy. We're only talking about victory and faith, right? Nobody gets up and says that. It's, it's like it's the background program, right? And so this church that I was in, all of that was done away with. The faith and victory stuff just had to go away 
Because the season that we were in was so severe and excruciating that to get up and say, oh, now's to the time to have faith and victory, nobody had actual strength for that. Nobody had physical energy or emotional energy for, for that. You know what? This is interesting. Now that I think about it, I feel like the Spirit of God lets people get to a place where they no longer have strength within themselves to, to keep carrying the false burdens that God never meant for them to carry in the first place. And the thing that they consider as being disastrous is really a gift of God. It's a gift of the Spirit. It's the Spirit doing a work for them. And, and, and initially, it'll always feel bad, but later on, it's like, oh God, that was the mercy of God in my life. You know, and it's not, I, I don't believe that God, I'm, I'm not, I, God didn't let that happen in our family because we, I'm, I'm not in that camp like God does these things in order to teach us lessons of faith or whatever. I'm That's bullshit to me. Like, I just do not subscribe to that. Bad things happen because because life in general. Like, like, you know, there's stuff that happens in life that we just cannot explain. And I'm not attributing things to God. You know, I'm just, this is the way this is. But um, nevertheless... Uh, I don't. I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? I don't. You just know. keep doing what you're doing. This is <laughs> too good. Well, I just, I, I believe that that these these waves that come at us that feel so difficult are really formational. It's it's. The form, it's the formative power of the Spirit taking our bread of affliction and, like I said in the song, employing it to our benefit. You know, I don't, I don't quite know how that works, and I don't always want to sign up for it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not signing up for poverty. I'm not signing up for <laughs> martyrdom. I'm not signing up for any of those things. I'm not raising my hand so the devil can come get me. I'm not raising my hand so God can come get me. I'm just like, man, if you're honest about how life actually is, cancer happens, car accidents happen, politics happens, there's all this stuff that's going on in life and, and the, the vast majority of it is way out of our control. And as a Christian... I'm just kind of leaning into that. I'm I'm leaning into the lack of control that I have. You know, I mean, dare I say that maybe God's not in control? I don't know. Cover, cover the microphone. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's a great, that's a, our friend, we have a mutual friend, Dr. Chris Green. That's a great Chris Green sermon that God is sovereign, but God is not in control. Yes, Those yes. are different phrases. I, I'm a big Chris Green fan. Me boy. too. But let's just say Chris got that for me. I didn't get that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I hope he hears this, Chris oh, Green. Oh, he definitely will. <laughs> no, that's so good. Um, it really is. And I think there's such a difference between saying, God orchestrates these things, that God does them, versus saying there's nothing that God won't use or leverage to bring. But those are very different things. Big you know, difference. the idea that somehow yeah. God plays chess with us yes, and think that yes. teaching us, that's like, I, I wouldn't know how to worship a God like that no. if I wanted to. You no. might could respect a God like that. I don't know how you could love a God like that. No. But the idea that, that there's nothing that God can't leverage and that, you know, um, I've talked about the different, different places. So I don't want to rehash a thing, but 
it was so revelatory for me. Catherine Dowling Singh, who's Buddhist but draws a lot from Christian mystics, wrote this book called The Grace of Dying, which that's basically the premise is that it's like this idea, because she was a hospice worker with a PhD who had walked with hundreds of people through the dying process. And the essential thesis of the book is that um, if nothing else, uh, you know, because it talks a lot about how, like, especially in the dying process, if people are given time to die, whether it's for a short window or a long window, almost everybody testifies to this period of freedom. Like after at first, when your body starts to shut down, I mean, the humiliation and yeah. people having to care for you is awful. But there's almost always, again, short or long, some um, some uh, some time in there where there's this kind of unprecedented freedom. And her yeah. essential thesis is that if nothing else sets us free from the ego, it's almost like God has hardwired grace into the dying process. So if nothing oh, yeah. else sets us free, dying sets us yeah. free. To be able to come into that kind of, you know, from just from all those kind of ego needs, yes. which I think is, and it's like I've never been able to look away from that. Yes. And it caused me to look at even all the smaller deaths in life in that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm like, what, what is it that needs, where is it that I need to be free here? Where yeah. is there something that's kind of on a ventilator? Where is there something that's like ego yep. that actually needs to die yep. so that I can get free? I, I wrote a poem recently. Uh, I was walking down the street and I saw this decrepit old man hobbling down the street and I heard the spirit of the Lord say to me, old people are a sign and everybody's missing it. And I was struck. And so I grabbed my pen and paper. I wrote this poem and it was the gist of it was, you know, this is where we are all headed. We are all headed to this place. We can, we can act like that's not true. We can, we can work, we can use all of our energy to avoid this, but this is where we're going. And I don't know, that just tickled me that the Lord would say that to me. The old, old people are a sign and everybody's missing it. You know, like, yeah, it's what happens when you get to, to middle age, man. I'm 45 now, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, death is before me. It's always before me, you know. I mean, just just so everybody knows, I'm really an okay guy. Like I, I, I. I this is a funny story. The the first songwriters retreat that you were at with yeah. the the common hymnal yes. folks. Funniest story. I'm there's this this big group of songwriters. And I'm, I'm over in the corner of the kitchen and I'm eating chips and salsa and these two guys are looking at me from across the room and they keep eyeing me and I'm like, man, what's wrong with these guys? And they end up walking over and they say, uh, are you Andy Squires? And I said, yes, I am. And they said, wow, we were so confused because we saw you talking to those guys over there and you were, you seemed so happy. You were laughing and you were, you, we know your music, man. We love your music and you're just not, you're just not, I mean, so, so I, so it must be some kind of therapy for me. Like I write these songs and, and, but man, I, I'm, I'm. I sleep well at night. <laughs> I still feel you because I feel like, you know, if they think you're like sort of depressed and melancholy, yeah. I think because of things that I write, people think that I'm real like heavy, kind of like in a pissed off way. Yeah. And yeah, then I'm yeah. just so, you know, jolly and jovial. Yes. And they're like, yes. what's what's wrong with him? Yes. Like he seems <laughs> almost like he's way too happy. Right. You know, so. It's real. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I, I feel it. This feels like a place 
that would segue to another song. Yeah. But I don't know what the song is, so I don't know how to segue to it. Yeah, no, I, I can do another song, yeah. This is a hymn. I have a hymn on, on this album. This is called Love Never Fails. Some of us sinners, some of us saints, some of us between a rock and hard place, some of us welcome, some of us not, some of us the scapegoat, some of us the mob, and all of us guilty, then all of us free, a cup of joy poured out for our great relief. So when the abyss had us tied to the rails Like a runaway train, love never fails Some say it's crazy and some take offense some swear the law still demands recompense well, Some shot the sheriff and the deputy too Some heard the cock crow in the light of the moon Will all are atoned for, the wicked made whole The world's scarlet letter is washed white as snow so when the albatross cursed all the wind from our sails We had no dams to give because love never fails Some of us are doubtful and some of us are weak Some are uncertain and still we believe Some overcoming and some testify There's a righteousness in us and we can't deny Now some hallelujah and some blessed be Some sing out in chains some sing out free Our dreams up in smoke Beneath plunging nail The punchline of the joke His love never fails And our dreams up in smoke beneath plunging nail the punchline of the joke is love never fails wow. 
churches need to sing that song. They churches do need to sing that song. That is some kind of hymn. <laughs> wow. I tell you, I can tell you one in Oklahoma City that will. <laughs> the table will be singing that song. <laughs> Good grief. Andy, um, before we, I want to say again, thank you so much for being oh. here. And it's such an honor to have you so early in the zeitcast and to be able to celebrate this. It's, it's such a dream for me. It really feels like just, mm. you know, kind of heaven smiling on me this worked out that you were going cross country anyway it's it's such a thrill um how can we best support what you're doing again i'm so yeah um i want to proselytize people to your music yeah. so people who want to hear more how, how can folks support all the usual ways you know spotify uh apple music just share share those albums on you know all the socials and you know, when the new record comes out, just just put it out there. That's that's how you can help for sure. Yeah, buy T-shirts. I'm a T-shirt salesman. I'm a professional T-shirt salesman. <laughs> beautiful T-shirts, by yeah, the way, and we'll plug yeah. those through our websites also for the Zeitcast and all of my stuff. Um, uh, before I'd love for you, you mind closing out one more song? Yeah, no, I don't but mind at all. Before you do that, um, I just love, um, you know, tonight's been so special and, you know, so much encouragement here. I feel like, again, your music's been such a signpost and marker for me in so many ways on my own journey. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to avoid the word journey tonight. Um, I don't know. Andy, I'm not trying to uh, say this kind of in a spooky way, but when you think about, I mean, it's such a, it's such a weird and volatile time in culture, yeah. and I think in our country, it's just such a strange moment. Yeah. And I feel like, in that mystical kind of intuitive way, and you don't make these kind of claims about yourself, but I'm, I'll happily say it for you. I do feel like there's a real way that you're kind of in touch with the spirit, and I just love to know, like, when you think about, when you think about the future. What gives you hope right now? Well, I was sharing with somebody earlier in the evening. Uh, I think it was y'all. We were talking about um, when, when Brian Zahn was preaching at your church. And I, I was talking about the gospel of the chairs, you know. And uh, I, I, I described he, hearing Brian preaching the gospel of the chairs like, like it was such a relief. It was such a relief to me personally. So, so what makes me hopeful is that all of the tumult, all of the upswell that it feels like we're swimming in sometimes, particularly, you know, contending for the things that we're contending for. Uh, obviously, when you move forward, there will always be backlash, right? Uh, but I feel so hopeful for my children because my kids, th th this is, Amy and I, we're terrible parents, so I don't mean to sound like this is, this is not a, this is not a, us bragging, but, but my, I have got six kids and we're not Catholic or Mormon. We just hadn't figured it out yet, you know, but we got these six kids, but they are in the middle of the soup of deconstruction and they all love Jesus. Like I didn't, we never did family devotions. We never, we, we hardly, yeah, we don't say grace at, at dinner. Sometimes we do, but it's, it's, 
my kids are like, dad, are we saying grace tonight or what? You know, it's like that, you know, um, we, we didn't follow any of the rules and my kids all love Jesus. And, and what I, what I, the reason why I see that happening is because we took our hands off. We did not force anything upon them. And I, I get this sense that what we're really being invited to by the Lord himself is into a place where we can let people go. We can let people be who they are. We can let people journey into the places that they need to journey. I don't have to control you. You don't have to control me. If you want to talk to me about the Lord, I can talk to you about the Lord. But I don't have to tell you that you have to follow these three things in order for you to live a satisfying, victorious life. That's not what any of this is about. And so I have hope because I don't have to go to another conference, buy another book, um, get on another mailing list, do any, jump through any uh, hoops in order for uh, me to be fully in with the Lord right now. I can't go to a conference if I want to. I want to go to your conference, Jonathan. You know what I'm saying? There's there's still parties to have, right? There's still there's still things to do. There's parties to go to, but but our but our lives aren't depending on it. Our spiritual lives aren't depending on it. And and so I have a lot of hope because there's this there's a wave. It's a small wave. It's a very small wave. But there's folks out there that are making room for our children to love Jesus, to go to church, and to not have to sign up to get their brains beat out for the next 40 years of their life before they decide they don't want to do it anymore. You know? (laughs) So, and you know what that is? That's really trust. You're trusting the Lord. You're trusting the Spirit of God. You're trusting the Lord with people. And he's trustworthy. He really is. So, gosh, sorry if I talked to everybody's ear. I'll <laughs> preach. I lo- I'm glad I asked that question. Mm. All right. So this is a, this will be our final song tonight. You bring the gladness, I'll bring the gleaming. You bring the glory, I'll bring the singing. You bring the table, I'll bring the feasting. Somewhere in the distance, I hear wedding bells ringing. You bring the comfort, I'll bring my thinking. You bring the wine, Lord, I'll bring the drinking. 
you bring your spirit I'll bring my weeping oh I have nothing else but the promises you're keeping you bring the morning you bring the evening I'm gonna praise you with every breath that I'm breathing you bring the working day so a man can keep believing so a woman can keep on dreaming and after the fire dies you open up our eyes again you bring the stillborn baby to my shoulder you bring your sorrow to every fallen soldier you bring your passion to the graves that we stand over young love that we lost will be found as we grow older you bring the mountain so I have somewhere to wander you bring the ocean so I can walk on water you bring the wilderness so I can learn to hunger oh I feel you like a phantom but I can't explain your wonder you bring the morning you bring the evening I'm gonna praise you with every breath that I'm breathing you bring the working day so a man can keep believing so a woman can keep on dreaming and after the fire dies you open up our eyes Sing it with me if you know it. You bring the morning. You bring the evening. I'm gonna praise you with every breath that I'm breathing. You bring the working day. You bring the working day so a man can keep believing. So a woman can keep on dreaming. And after the fire dies, you open up our eyes again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow, Andy Squires, everybody.